Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. This is God's word. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and ye will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And we thank God for his word. Amen. Check them on. There we go. Well, good morning, everybody. Notice John isn't here this week, so I thought I'd take his little position. That's his fault, not mine. Let me just start by praying for us as we listen to God's word. Lord, thank you that we have your gift of the, your word to open this morning. And I ask that through my weak human words, as we consider this passage from Matthew this morning, please give us your grace so that our hearts and minds are open and we have ears to hear you. And Lord Jesus, I ask that as I speak this morning, may you be glorified in your name. Amen. Two questions. Do you ever feel that prayer is a waste of time? Or that God's going to do exactly what he wants anyway. So why are we bothering to pray? Strange questions, considering we've just prayed. Um, but I'm fairly confident there's been at least one time in our Christian lives where we might have asked these very questions. Perhaps you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. But they're still questions that you've often asked yourself. So why might we ask ourselves these questions? Might be during a time where we are feeling downbeat. Frustrated, fed up, or just not feeling overly close to God. So how can we turn these negative questions into something incredibly encouraging and positive for all of us in the fact and in fact realise that we can come boldly to God in prayer and with complete confidence? I have two points to bring you this morning. Firstly, point one, keep asking, seeking and knocking, because God the Father is good. So keep asking, seeking and knocking because God the Father is good. And secondly, love each other just as our good God commands us by his law. So our first point, keep asking, seeking and knocking because God the Father is good. In our passage this morning, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus is, of course, referring to prayer in this passage. And when he talks about prayer in this context, he's actually talking about continuous prayer. So what does that mean? What does that actually mean for us? Well, in reliable commentaries, the Greek translation of this passage literally means to keep on asking and it will be given to you. To keep on seeking and you will find. And to keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. What Jesus is saying here is that we're not to, uh, we are to keep coming to the Father in prayer, not once, not twice, not just a few times, but continuously and repeatedly. 
Luke chapter 18 verse 1 reads, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not lose heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 instructs us to pray without ceasing. How many of us have prayed to God by saying, Oh Lord, I want this, or I need that, and then we stop, because God hasn't answered us. Or perhaps we might pray for one or two things or something and then just stop. We might even pray for something every day for a week. We really want that prayer to be answered, but then we just stop. How often have you or I prayed to God once, twice, maybe a few times, and then that's it? We just stop praying. Why would we do that? Why? Well, perhaps you're thinking, well, why keep bothering God? Why keep asking him over and over again? Surely we only need to ask him one time for things. Or does God really need to be told what we want? Are we simply bullying him into giving us what we want? I thought Jesus told us that our father knows what we want and cares us anyway. So why even bother praying? Or perhaps actually feel a bit uncomfortable about repeatedly asking for the same thing. Surely God can't be bothered with our petty little affairs. God will just get irritated with me if I keep on praying for the same thing over and over again. I'm sure most of us have been scolded by a parent or a grandparent in the past for repeatedly asking for the same thing. It's almost wired into us, isn't it, to not repeatedly ask for things. So all these are normal thoughts and feelings, but we must look at exactly what the Bible is teaching us to do. And that is to keep on asking and to keep on seeking and to keep on knocking. We're encouraged to continuously pray to God. This is what he wants us to do. We know that we can come to God in prayer, any place, at any time, about anything. But the key thing is to keep on praying. Most of you know I love a quote. And I found one referencing the importance of prayer by a man called Andrew Murray. And that's not the tennis player, I mean, but the South African teacher and pastor. And he said... The man who mobilises the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelism in history. Prayer cannot and should not ever be underestimated on how important it is for us as Christians. So we can ask and we will receive. We can seek and we will find. We can knock and it will be answered. But we must keep on doing it. So how can we have confidence that if we keep on praying that God will actually answer our prayers. Perhaps we stop praying not because we're worried about irritating God, but because we believe that God isn't as good as we think he is. Look at verse 9 to 11 with me again. It reads, Or which which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, Give good things to those who ask him. Firstly, let me just highlight that Jesus uses one particular word in these verses to describe not just some people, but everyone. Everyone at the time then, to everyone in this room today, he uses the word evil. It's quite a powerful, somewhat brutal description of us, wouldn't you think? Would you consider yourself evil? But it's true. We are sinful and we are evil. And it is important that we do actually recognise and acknowledge this. 
But what Jesus is saying here in verse 9 to 11 is that if we as evil and sinful parents are still able to give our children what they ask for, then just imagine what your father in heaven, who is without sin, who is without evil, who is infinitely good, the God who gave us his son to die on the cross so that we can be saved. Well, just imagine what he will do for you and for me as children of God when you ask him. If your child comes up to you and asks for a biscuit or a cracker or a piece of fruit, what would you say? Quite likely, not every time, but quite likely you'll say, yes, of course you can have a piece of fruit. But instead of giving them a piece of fruit, you hand them a rock. So we wouldn't do that, would we? we? wouldn't do that as parents. If a child wants something to eat and we say yes, then we give them something to eat. Despite us being evil and sinful, that is still what a good parent would do. So just how much more will our good and perfect father give to us when we ask? Okay, we're not all parents, but those of us that are parents or grandparents or uncles, aunts, we look at our children and we love them, don't we? We love them dearly. We'd simply do anything for them, wouldn't we? Well, let me tell you, we do not love them, even remotely, as much as God loves you or me. Not even close. It is beyond what our minds can even understand. We simply cannot comprehend the love that God has for you and for me. Therefore, he only wants the very best for us. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you've put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then you are born again into the family of God. And he is our loving Heavenly Father. And we are his children, children of God. And he loves us dearly. And he is so incredibly good. Isn't that encouraging to know? So we know that we can and should continuously and repeatedly come boldly to God in prayer. We must keep asking. We must keep seeking. We must keep knocking. We must never stop. Why? Because Jesus teaches us in this very passage this morning that God the Father is immeasurably and infinitely good. And his love for his children is unending. So that when we do keep asking and seeking and knocking, he will delight in giving us only good things. Do not ever stop praying because you think God is not good enough. God is in control of everything. He provides everything. And he only wants the very best for us as his children. I opened with two questions. first one was, is prayer a waste of time? Well, is it? How many times have you prayed and you get no as the answer? You prayed and you prayed and you might deem that thing that you're praying for to be particularly good. And yet the answer is a definite no from God. How easy is it for us then to simply say, well, I asked God for something I think is good, but he gave me a no. What a waste of time praying. Or I prayed to God, but he just gave me the wrong answer. Well, I'm afraid God doesn't work like that. He always knows what is best. God will give you God will not give you, sorry, the wrong answer. Perhaps you pray for something such as getting good results in A levels this week or but you ended up not getting the results you wanted. Perhaps you pray for a job interview to go well, but you didn't get the job. Maybe you prayed for a friend or family member to become a Christian but they die before ever putting their faith and trust in Jesus. 
Unanswered prayer can be excruciating at times. And as a result, our sinful, restricted minds can easily switch to frustration and resort to simply thinking that prayer just doesn't work. It's just a waste of time. I've no doubt we've all felt like this at some point. But as Christians, we know that we can come boldly to God. We know we can bring our requests to him and do so repeatedly. And because he is the perfect father, he will give us exactly what we need and when we need him. However, it's important to uh, remember that God is not a genie in a lamp. And if God answered yes to everything we asked for and prayed for, then that would be incredibly dangerous, wouldn't it? Instead, he promises to give us exactly what we need and not what we want. Some of you may well know that Rachel's actually starting a, a new job in September to become a teaching assistant in a local school. But over the last few years, her job has been a temporary contract, ever-changing dates, and this has made planning our finances and childcare and other things quite challenging at times. So last year, Rachel started applying for a few jobs that would hopefully provide a bit more stability for us and certainty. However, she's getting absolutely nothing back. Everything seems negative almost. After every application submitted, Rachel and I prayed for her to at least get a phone call or an interview she had nothing. So we decided the best thing to do was to stop applying for things and just wait a while. We have both always strongly believed that God will always provide for us, even when things seem tricky or unclear. And in this situation, God was simply saying no to these job applications. I have a better plan for you. Although Rachel and I were probably getting quite frustrated and a bit downbeat, we continued to pray and trust God to provide. And he has done with this new job in September. We just needed to wait a bit. God knew what we needed and when we needed it. It's important to remember that when we pray to God, sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes it is no, and sometimes the answer is just wait. But what we do know is that God will always answer our prayers in accordance with what he deems best for us. Sometimes we want something that we deem to be good or we consider it to be important that we get it, just like Rachel applying for those jobs. But God says, no, I know what is best for you and this isn't it. Jesus has already taught several things about prayer up to this point in his ministry. He's explained in Matthew chapter 6 to not always pray in such a way that everyone is focused on you, like the hypocrites in the synagogue as he puts it, and instead pray quietly in your room with the door shut and pray to your father who is in secret. He says not to pray with lots of empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think this is the way to impress others. He then goes on to explain exactly how to pray. And this is when he comes to the Lord's Prayer, a prayer we're all familiar with. And back in chapter 6, just as Jesus is launching into teaching the Lord's Prayer, he says this, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 says this, And this is the confidence we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Therefore, when we pray, we should always be seeking the will of God the Father and not our own will. 
We should not be praying purely for our own wants and desires. This again risks us desiring the wrong things and not desiring God. He should always be first. His will being done should be our priority when we pray for things. So when you pray but you get a no, then this is God saying, that is good. That is what is best for you. You might have thought something else was better, but you are limited. I am unlimited. You are finite. I am infinite. And what is really good for you right now is that you get a no on this occasion. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. And sometimes we might get frustrated. But we must always trust God to know and to do exactly what is best for us. Prayer is certainly never a waste of time. And God will never give you the wrong answer. His plans are so much bigger. Remember, we've already established just how good God is. And as our loving Father, he only wants good things for us. Therefore, he is the only one that gets to decide these things. Continue to always trust him. God will always answer in the best way for us. Be it a yes, be it a no, be it a just wait. Whatever the answer, be thankful and trust him. Let's move on to look at the second half of verse 11. Read with me, it says, How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So as children of God, what qualifies as a good gift? If as Christians we know God promises to give us good things that he knows we need, and at the time we need them, how come then we often see all around us, within our day-to-day lives, people that don't pray, that don't call themselves Christians, that have absolutely zero interest in knowing who God is, and yet they seem to be getting on just fine without prayer and without God in their lives. So the, so, uh, sorry, to the second of my opening questions, which was, if God is going to do what he wants anyway, why bother praying? Is prayer just unnecessary? Well, firstly, let's look back slightly with me, if you can, to Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 to 32, 31 32, sorry. And Jesus is teaching about not to be anxious in our lives. He says in verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. This follows on from last week's passage that John taught us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, in that we shouldn't be chasing or desiring, or as the Bible puts it, coveting for things such as money. But the question I propose is, if... God is going to do what he wants anyway, then why are we bothering to pray for them? Well, I think the answer is more in how we pray and how we pray for them and what is our heart's focus when we pray for these things. If we were to continuously ask God for something, whether it's money, career, food, shelter, clothing, are we first acknowledging that God is the provider of all of these things? Is he first in our prayers before anything else? Are we firstly putting our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment? It's important to remember that something created, which is still a good gift from God, such as money for example, can sadly and all too easily become our priority focus. It becomes our main desire and not God. We end up serving the created things such as money and not serving God the creator. In other words, Jesus is saying, put the kingdom of God first and you won't need to worry about food and clothing because God, your Father, will give them to you. The path of redemption is made possible by God, giving good things such as food and clothing. And for those who stop making them the priority and make the kingdom of God 
the priority. Just flick forward if you can to Luke um, and chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 13. I'm not sure what page it's on, but Luke chapter 11, verse 13. And here we have the mirror to our main passage that we read this morning. In Luke um, chapter 11, verse 13, it says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke doesn't use the words good things in his version. He says the good thing that God will give is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit within us to deal with our sinful nature. To deal with the very things that do make us evil, as Jesus put it. And God lovingly provides what we need to deal with, deal with these things in the form of his Holy Spirit. However, it is worth remembering that we're not praying to receive the Holy Spirit because as followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit is already within us. But instead, we pray to receive the power of the Holy Spirit through God's grace to deal with our sinful nature and our sinful struggles that we constantly face. God only wants the best for us. He wants to help us. God wants to give us himself. So he gives us himself through his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredibly good? So when we're praying to God for things, and he has promised to give good things to those who ask him, and whether we're praying for certain in particular things, or praying for the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us in our trials, we need to understand that these are all good things that God lovingly provides. But he must be our priority and acknowledge that all these things come from him and him alone. The will of God is being done when we are praying and not our will. And that we confidently put our trust in him and make him our priority. Then he will always give good things to those who ask him. So, is prayer unnecessary? Of course not. If we want to be redeemed by God, if we want to be with him in eternal glory, then we need to acknowledge that it is he that gives us the good gifts that we ask for. And if we do not acknowledge this fact, then it will only lead to destruction for us. Those people around us that we see every day which appear to have so much despite not knowing God, well, sadly, they've not come to know the one who provides all those things in the first place. Their priority, unfortunately, lies elsewhere. And sadly, that's a path that leads to death. So, we are to keep on asking, keep on seeking, Keep on knocking. Make him your priority always. And God will answer in the best way for you and for me. Because he is so amazingly good and he loves us so dearly as his children. And it is because of all that that we can come boldly to God without fear or embarrassment. So, are you doing that? Are you coming boldly to God? To the God who knows you better than you know yourself. To the God who loves you more than you can possibly comprehend. If not, why not? Because you know what? He wants you, me, all of us, to come to him and talk to him. He wants us to come to him and tell him everything. And yes, of course, he already knows what's on our hearts and on our minds, but he still wants us to come to him. I often ask Ella how her day at school was. I ask her what she did during the day, and occasionally she might tell me. But more often than not, when I ask her what she did, I get nothing. Well, I can't remember. All I want is her to tell me what she did during the day. I'm interested. 
Because I love her and I care for her. That's what God the Father wants. But we often exactly, act exactly like Ella does to me and we don't tell him. Just keep quiet. We don't tell him what we've done. And we don't come to him in prayer as often as we should. We need to come to him boldly and willingly. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. But perhaps you're thinking, well, how can I do this? How can I keep continuously praying? It can be so exhausting. Well, there was one that submitted to the Father's will. There was one who continuously prayed. There was one that never ceased, despite the very worst of exhaustion. We can look to Jesus and we can come boldly and repeatedly to God and pray just as Jesus did with confidence and incredibly, he will sustain us. On to point two, a bit more brief. Love each other just as our good God commands us by his law. Let's look at verse 12. <clears throat> it reads, uh, back in Matthew. Um, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is quite a famous verse, which I'm sure we've all heard uh, in some fashion before. It's sometimes referred to as the golden rule. But what does it mean for us as Christians? Well, firstly, Jesus says in this passage that this is the law and the prophets. What does that mean? What did it mean to the people hearing Jesus say this for the first time? And what Jesus is preaching here is nothing new to the people listening uh, in the crowd at the time, including the Pharisees, and they would have known exactly to what Jesus is referencing. Jesus is referring to Old Testament law. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. In Romans chapter 13 verse 8 to 10 it says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbour. Therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. We are taught in the Bible to love others. If we want people to treat us in the same way that we treat them, if we want people to respect us in the same way we respect them, then we must show love to one another. We reference this verse to our children all the time. I certainly remember being told to treat others as I wish to be treated on several occasions when I was young. And once again, I'm going to use my own children as an example, and if one of them is winding the other one up, Rachel and I would often say, you wouldn't like that if they did the same to you. Treat your sister in the same way you want to be treated. Sure, we've all heard this or used it in some way in the past. So, how well do you get along with others? How well do you get on with your friends, family, strangers in the street even? Be unrealistic to presume that we'll always get along with everyone all of the time, whether it's here at church, or in the workplace, or even with our own families. But as Christians, we need to be able to stop and to be able to ask ourselves, are we being kind to others? Are we showing love to others? Do we respect others? Do we help others? Are we understanding to others? Do we look for good in others? We live in a fallen world and as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be the light in a darkened world. We need to be the difference to the rest of the world. We need to be a beacon of hope, perhaps. 
And so when those that are still living a life of sin, they might look to us as Christians and see something very different in us compared to others around us. And perhaps it will make them question themselves. And by doing this, it will ultimately glorify our Father in heaven. Wouldn't it be amazing for someone to look at us as Christians and instead of judgment or persecution or misunderstanding of our beliefs from the unbelieving community, instead they might look to us and see and think something different and perhaps be inspired. Here at Cornerstone, relationships are a key part of our culture. From the very beginning, this was such a crucial part of our foundation and was and still is very important to us as a church family. We've always strived to show love to one another. And John chapter 13 verse 35 says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There are many ways we can show love for one another, but as our theme this morning is on prayer, I challenge you. I challenge you to really consider when was the last time you prayed for someone in the church family? And I don't mean during a prayer meeting or one of our discipleship groups, as important as that is. I mean when was the last time you stopped during your day and prayed for someone in particular. Someone that might be going through a particularly hard or emotional time. Or someone in a church that's having to overcome certain challenges at work or at home. Prayed for the leadership team or the children's team or the music team. Therefore it starts right here. If we pray for one another here at church, then this in turn shows love for one another. And it will ripple outwards. So when we go out into our day-to-day lives, we will then treat people with the same love and in the same way that we would want to be treated. We had to pray for one another. And this shows love for one another. And as Jesus says, this is the fulfillment of our good God's law. This is a great passage that we've had read today. So much packed into just a handful of amazing verses. And there's so much more than I could have got into. But I did risk being long, even longer than one of John's sermons. I might even be that. So what do we need to do? We need to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, and to keep on knocking. Our Father is infinitely good and loves us more than we can imagine, despite us being evil and sinful. When we make him our priority, he will always give us good gifts when we ask him, according to his will. We need to come boldly to the Father in consistent and continuous prayer any time and anywhere and make our requests known and God has promised to answer by giving us good things that he knows we need and when we need them Jesus says treat others with the same love that we want would want to receive love is the key we need to pray for one another and therefore that shows love for one another it is crucial to our relationship with one another within our church family our friends, our biological family, and even with strangers. And even more crucial to our relationship with God. So of course prayer is not a waste of time or unnecessary. As Christians we can do absolutely nothing without prayer and without Jesus Christ. Let me close with my usual quote, and this is from John Piper. He said, Prayer for God's help is the one way that God preserves and manifests the dependence of his people on his grace and power. The necessity of prayer is a constant reminder and display of our dependence on God for 
everything so that he gets the glory and we get the help. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. God is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come boldly to you in prayer. Anytime and anywhere. Thank you that you're so good and so loving that you delight in providing us all the good things that you know that we need and when we need them. Help us, Father, to never stop praying to you. Even when our prayers seem to go unanswered, help us to continue to love and trust you always. Help us to always make you our priority within our lives before anything else. Father, help us to fulfill your law by loving one another just as you love us. And thank you, Heavenly Father, that you gave us the ultimate good thing in the form of your Son, Jesus Christ, who enters across the die so that we can be saved and that when we trust in the Lord Jesus, we know that we are safe in the knowledge that we will one day be in glory with you. Amen. Uh, it'd be right to respond to that, wouldn't it, by...